And there was a survey that said uh, that 60% of shoppers, they were afraid of going into a grocery store because of being infected. And now I don't say that cleaning with a robot will not get you infected, but it at least gives the, the audience the feeling uh, that we do everything humanly possible to make people safe. And that's also part of our way to go to market is we want to make the lives of people uh, better, easier and more productive. And with the robots, we can do that. On today's show, we are talking to Michelle, the General Manager Europe and VP at BrainCorp. And we're talking all about how cobots can help not only automate and revolutionize business, but also help protect customers. In addition to that, we're talking to an expert from NetApp uh, and trying to unpackage the latest acquisition that Salesforce have made, $27.7 billion for Slack. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some tech news. Akish. Hello. Spotify wrapped. Any interesting insights from your Spotify? No, if, if I don't know if any of my listeners follow me on Instagram, but uh, I did post something up. I'm an Apple Music fan. Uh, oh, there we go. See, I use Deezer, so this has uh, kind of gone by yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm an Apple Music guy, and I did put up some memes last night on my story about people putting up their Spotify wrapped, going, I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> long story short, I don't care. Um, and I saw a lot of artists putting up like how many plays they'd had and, and you know, kind of how many, um, I don't know, like plays over whatever time and, you know, streams and all these sorts of things, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I think they were only doing it to, I don't know, show off maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, you're not going to really advertise it if you're not getting any plays, are you? Um, no, that's very true. So d- neither is new Spotify. So this 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 is a rubbish start to the show. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry. Did see though this morning. I thought this was really interesting. And you might be like, "What? Have you seen that astronomers have unveiled the most detailed 3D map of the Milky Way yet?" No, I haven't. No. No. Ah, so they've they've gone and. Um, Basically, we've got uh, a telescope which is situated uh, 930,000 miles from Earth in the opposite direction to the sun. And for the past seven years, it's been measuring the position and velocities of nearby two billion stars. Stuff like that, that you just kind of go, wow, Mm. Um, we are pretty clever somehow as a race to be able to do that. That's quite, quite impressive. Very impressive. Especially as it's an, just an unknown area, right? Like, you know, there's people and we always hear about it, but the fact that we can actually go into it and yep. and actually see what it looks like. And on a week where, you know, taking it back to our favorite topic, um, which is not the US election, COVID, taking it back to, you know, us actually having a vaccination and stuff. I've just been surprised at the brains of people and, you know, as a human race, the potential that we've got if we all work together, which... Yep. Which we can do good things as well. So it's not always yep. doom and gloom. Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't want to alarm you, but apparently the solar system is collapsing in towards the centre of the galaxy at a rate of about seven millimetres a year. Right. Uh, okay. I think we'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, look, uh, positives. Uh, University of Cambridge heavily involved in this research, as was the UK Space Agency. So kudos to us Brits, everyone good. listening around the world. You know, we might yeah. be bonkers and doing some really odd things, but we, we also do have some positives too. We do. It's not always the Americans and Russians that know what they're talking about in space. We, we know there we as go. well. There we go. We, nerds. Right. <laughs> um, 
Let's move into today's interview, which is actually not talking about a British company at all, but dropping across or pop, popping across the channel rather to the Netherlands to talk to Michelle from BrainCorp. So we'll hand over to the interview uh, and then we'll be back with some commentary afterwards. So today we're talking to Michelle Sprout and that's an inaccurate pronunciation, uh, but you've been very kind, uh, Michelle, on helping me with my abysmal uh, pronunciation of Dutch. But uh, thank you for, for joining us on Tech Talks and uh, giving up some time to talk to us today. Glad to be here, uh, Davis. So look, uh, you are the Vice President and General Manager Europe at BrainCorp. Uh, before we get into anything else, do you just want to tell us who BrainCorp are for anyone who's not familiar? Yeah, so BrainCorp uh, builds brains for robots, uh, software and AI, where we um, help existing uh, machines, but also ground-up robots, to perform in public dynamic spaces, mm-hmm. um, and if you, so, retail stores, um, malls, airports, uh, industrial warehouses, everywhere where there is a need of uh, robots, you can use our machines. And we started off with uh, cleaning robots to um, relieve and get uh, more cleaning hours, but also uh, do the heavy lifting for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be the uh, the Microsoft of robotics, so we have developed a platform, Brain OS, that is basically the brain for the robots to perform in these uh, public dynamic spaces. So that's an interesting point because I suppose there's probably a lot more value in being that platform rather than the hardware, right? Um, we have decided. Uh, because our founder Eugene Zekovic, in uh, he always had a dream to build brains for robots, yeah. to make uh, people's life uh, easier, better, more productive. Mm-hmm. And with that, it um, he wanted to create a platform that can be multi-use. So that's why we're working with the uh, global, the, the biggest OEMs. Uh, in this case, on the uh, cleaning side, but also on the uh, auto delivery side to get our product to market. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, how do you say that? It's easy, to, or it's not easy, but everybody can build a robot. Everybody can build software. But if you want to be the best in what you do, you need to focus. And we have mm-hmm. decided to focus on software, not on hardware. Uh, a lot of our competitors, they uh, they have done end the hardware and the software but we see uh, the need of great software and that's why we're focusing there. And we partner with the best in class OEMs to make sure that we can supply the best in class robots to the market. Now, I suppose this is a really interesting moment for the industry, right? We've been talking about autonomous uh, tech for some time. It kind of feels like we're on the edge of a breakthrough. You go on the BrainCorp website and, and one of the first things you see right now is a smarter kind of clean for today's changing world. And it has the strap line, learn how autonomous robots or cleaning robots rather can help those on the front lines of the health crisis. And I suppose that has been probably a major push over the last few months where if we've got key workers who are at risk, but autonomous machines can perform some of those tasks there's huge benefit and therefore i suppose also opportunity for you but huge benefits in deploying those right yes uh, what we see uh, right now is that the 
the the stores and uh, the warehouses need to be cleaned, but they need a lot of uh, people to get the stores re, uh, restocked, but also clean uh, high-touch surfaces in stores, uh, making sure that uh, you can help customers because there are always a lot of questions in store. And with the robots that are doing the heavy lifting, so the repetitive work that um, a robot can do, the, the workers can focus on other higher valuable tasks. So in the beginning, what we saw is that it, um, uh, when COVID hit, um, everybody was focused on getting, making sure that uh, the stocks were refilled, but meant, uh, was forgetting a little bit about the cleaning. What we see now is that people want to show the public that they are cleaning because it gives people a, uh, a better feeling if they go to a grocery stores that are cleaned. And there was a survey that said uh, that 60% of shoppers, they were afraid of going into a grocery store because of being infected. And now I don't say that cleaning with a robot will not get you infected, but it at least gives the, the audience the feeling uh, that we do everything humanly possible to make people safe. And that's also part of our way to go to market is we want to make the lives of people uh, better, easier, and more productive. And with the robots, we can do that. And mm. so that, that really helps. And the, the other thing that uh, is always great with the robots is that the robots are uh, giving you consistent clean. So they always clean the same way that you indicated that the robot needs to clean because we work with teach and repeat. That means that the robot gets taught what to clean by the people that know how to clean. And then uh, the robot remembers that and you can choose what to clean at that moment in time. And with that said, uh, the robot will do it. You are sure that it will be clean. You will get proof of performance through, uh, uh, through your phone because it's connected to the machine, but also through a portal where you can see the data of the machine what has been cleaned, um, how much has been covered, uh, heat maps to see if everything that you have programmed has been cleaned, if you need to change something in your infrastructure. So there's a lot of ways the, the robot can help you with cleaning in store, but also in uh, warehousing, distribution centers or airports, because you always know that it's getting cleaned. The machine is not getting sick. He is not uh, feeling uh, tired. Um, he is not uh, overtime. He is. He has no issue with that. So you really get something you are basically counting on. Now you you mentioned there that a human shows the robot how to clean, and again referring back to your website, the the video uh, uh, that the, on the kind of the banner of the website shows a human kickstarting the process with the robot, almost working alongside augmenting the cleaner's job rather than, than anything else. But people obviously do have concerns that robots are going to come in and and totally automate some of those tasks and remove the need for, for people. Where you're working with clients, how do you see them actually deploying fleets of robots? Is it, you know, we've, we've now got a worker who's never going to ask for overtime and, and is reliable and always going to show up, or is it to work alongside existing staff? Yeah, so we always are talking about uh, cobots, meaning we always need a human to start the machine. Uh, the machine needs to have 
clean water every day. It needs to be uh, cleaned because there will be dirty water in there. There are um, squeezes, so that's, those are the, the ones on the back that uh, take up the water. You have brushes on it. So you still need uh, humans to help the machine to perform. Um, if the robot um, gets at a certain point, he cannot go further because he the, his path is blocked. There always needs to go a human to make sure that the path is clear and that the robot can continue working. And uh, and then you get into the, the part where uh, people are afraid of AI and robots. Though the robots have been designed to work together with the, the people. And when you talk about AI and robotics, people often think they will replace me. But the way we have designed it at BrainCorp is a way that people and robots can work together. So the people can do the high valuable tasks and the robots can do the repetitive work with the help of the uh, people. But there always will be people that are afraid of it. And if you will ask people, 50% will say that they are afraid of it and 50% will say that they will, uh, that it will make things better. But I always have learned to it's better to embrace things and work together with it than to run for it because at a certain point it will catch you. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was going to say, if you don't mind me asking, like to those 50% that are concerned, what, what is your argument? You know, you say at the minute it's cobots, and I love that phrase. Uh, and it's, you know, the robots doing the, the menial tasks, the humans doing the high level tasks. But what's, what's to stop that balance shifting subtly over time? And what's your argument to the 50% that in the long term, this is a positive thing that's going to create opportunity rather than anything else. Yeah, you know the fifty, the fifty-fifty is a is just a, uh, an easy way to explain yeah, that course, no matter course. what you do is uh, no. But when you look at uh, the way it works, is that we have seen when we are implementing robotics that uh, the people that are currently uh, sitting on the robot can do things simultaneously, so they can do more tasks than they're doing today. So you get more production productivity. If you look into cleaning staff, it's very hard to get cleaning staff these days. So that solves another thing there. Um, but also when you look at cleaning staff is also uh, has a big turnover up to 40 to 50% a year. So this way it gives you more consistent uh, way of working. You don't, you don't, you have a lower learning curve. But what's important here uh, with the uh, the future of robotics is that it will um, create jobs. And of course, when you create jobs, there will be lost jobs, but they still think that there will be more jobs created than, than will go out. And next to that, um, I have seen everywhere where we have been implementing the robots is that it has not been done to replace people, but to complement people. And we have even seen that uh, companies were hiring people to work with the robot versus letting people go because the robot came there. So look, um, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that the, the, uh, the, the aim is to become the Microsoft of robotics. How, is, how has COVID affected you as a business? Because I suppose this is, you know, you're working on software. Um, I assume that you're a business like many others that, that were in an office in Amsterdam, I believe, right? Uh, yep. Working closely together, collaborating, working on cutting edge tech. How have you found this transition to to the new normal where everyone is working, but in a, in a very much a distanced way? 
Yeah, so we have a lot of, uh, so we work, if you look at the, the, the OEMs we work with, we were with Nilfis, Tenant, Gertrude, SoftBank Robotics, Harco, Minuteman, and they all have different machines. So we go from uh, a small uh, vacuum sweeper to big uh, scrubber robots. And um, the bigger scroll robots you see in big dynamic places, so that's uh, retail stores, but also warehouse distribution and, and malls. And we all know that in retail, certainly in the grocery retail, um, the time of uh, COVID has brought them a lot of increased sales in the first uh, half of the year. So they are really now at a point where they are now looking again back into the projects to invest, but also making sure that the, the people and the public feel safe in the environments. Um, we have the, the luck that we have been be able to be going back to the office in Amsterdam, but we are obviously using uh, all the different tools that, that are available, Google Meet, Zoom, um, to connect with people. And the fact that everybody is doing it makes it more accessible for people to be on video calls. Well, before it was always a, a challenge to get people on video calls, they rather had just phone calls. But with the new normal, it's way more interesting for people to do these calls from home because it remains productive. You see people, but I need to say, I, I, I love, uh, eye-to-eye -eye contact, I, I like live contact, but I think it's a good uh, secondary way to uh, connect to people and uh, talk about things. But I, I assume that you've seen a bit of a surge in business of, of interest, right, in, in what your robots can do for, for organizations at the moment. Yeah, so what, what we are seeing right now is that um, the, the, the ask for robotics and the interest of robotics is going up um, because people now see, really see that um, helping them versus hurting them is a big thing. Mm -hmm. So we we can uh, easily uh, do multiple things. We don't have only cleaning robots. We also have auto delivery robots that make it possible to uh, bring cages from one part of the store to another part of the store. We're looking into shell scanning. Uh, and we look into many other applications where we can, where the public and the people can uh, benefit from what we're doing. And obviously, there needs to be some kind of focus to make sure that we bring to the market what uh, is needed. But safety is a big thing for us. So the first thing we always make sure is that the products we bring to market are safe. But we see uh, definitely right now that the, the interest in robotics and AI is going up. And I will not say through the sky, but it's mm -hmm. uh, a healthy way of uh, looking into business. And I'm uh, looking forward to uh, the Q4 of 2020 and definitely 2021, where, will, where we are able to see uh, a growth in uh, the adaption of uh, mobile robots in the public space. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I mean, obviously you do have to be sensitive because we all know it's a diff different, difficult time for many businesses. But at the same point in time, it's it's 
positive to hear that there are companies doing well and thriving because without that, everything will grind to a halt. And we need people to create opportunities and wealth. So it's great to hear that you do find opportunities. It's, it's really interesting to hear how uh, cobots are helping organizations through this particular time. So, Michelle, I really do appreciate your time this morning and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, David. Uh, I enjoyed uh, having this interview and I'm looking forward to uh, what's coming out of it. Right, Keish, um, were you at any point scared of going into grocery stores? 60% of people scared to go into grocery stores. Mm, no, I, I wouldn't. I'd say I'm part of the 40%, to be honest. But were you concerned about how regularly they were being? Because I, I, my local Waitrose, hmm. um, you Waitrose, had basically you just just got to pop that in, didn't you? Local Waitrose. I don't think that's that. That's not that <laughs> posh, is it? I'm a Sainsbury's man. I'm a Sainsbury's man. <laughs> well, you see, we do have a Tesco's close by. Okay, but it it got a bit angsty in Tesco's. Um, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and and Waitrose is a bit more chilled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they did have this thing where basically um you you was you'd use a trolley and then you'd mm. give the trolley to a guy who was um uh antibacterialing it all down before mm-hmm. it went back into circulation so they were making sure that that was that was cleaned mm-hmm. um but I quite like the idea that if you've got a robot mm-hmm. you know what standard that has been cleaned to and mm. it is repeatable and mm. Yeah, I, I, I can see how it's also a job that, quite frankly, would be boring as ass. So we mm. could hand it over to a robot, and then that person who's cleaning the trolleys with disinfectant can go do something much more important. 100%. 100%. And also, they can do it for longer. Uh, they could do it for cheaper. Um, yes. You know, over the year, you know, so to speak. Um, and also, it would be the exact repetition like you said do you know what i mean and yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked in retail stuff before and you know there's not a dig at anyone that works in retail but sometimes certain jobs that you do can become so tedious and so mundane and you just like by by the third fourth time of doing something you know whether it's putting stickers on or, or you know putting things in a shelf it just you just lump it them on all right get this over and done with you know uh- so. I, I, I reckon I was pretty close to getting sacked as a shelf stacker. I was the world's worst <laughs> shelf stacker age 16, 17, because yeah. I was just so bored that mm. I'd daydream and not go very quickly. I was useless. Yeah, yeah. I, I did get sacked. I, I went once at Oh, further. well done. Yeah, I got sacked from HMV because I used the uh, the vinyl records that you're meant to be organizing if anyone's ever been to hmv uh they had these massive bins and then me and my friend uh thought it'd be a good idea when the store wasn't busy to use them as uh, frisbees so we we're just flinging oh. them out <laughs> which uh which at the time was great fun and uh vinyl records fly let me tell you that but yeah, yeah. it wasn't, wasn't the best <laughs> it wasn't the best thing to be honest well robots won't do that no Hopefully, um, there you go. Don't employ a quiche, employ a robot. They won't. They won't smash your vinyls. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I do like the fact that Michelle talks about cobots and always needing a human to set it up. So the human mm. helps the machine because people, you know, he, he kind of says fifty-fifty, but he, he just throws it out there because you know, for every every person that goes, oh great, let's embrace technology. There are people that are still scared by the idea of AI by robots. Mm. Um, so it's it's important to get across to people that fundamentally these robots are being designed to work with people not Mm -hmm. replace people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think i think it's also just the the stereotype of a robot 
I think. Um, yes. For people that don't necessarily know, there's a lot of things that we use that use robotics, right? Um, that use a form of AI that because it's not dressed up in like a white suit and is not human-like and it's not something that you would, you know, see in an iRobot film, you know, pardon the pun. Yeah. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, apprehension from human beings saying, oh God, I don't want this like alien looking figure to, to come at me. But I think if it was done in like a station or something like that, where you literally just put the trolley in, let's use that example. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it can be done, you know, quite quickly. Um, and, and also going back on the cobot point, um, I think if you've got humans kind of programming it or humans kind of making it and tailoring it to what, you know, kind of um, customer service one would require, then I think it would be a lot easier for people to actually be on board with the technology um, and, and yeah. kind of just trust it a little bit, I think, and make it a bit safe. Um, because it's the age old thing, right? No one likes change. Um, and when you're kind of forced to change, it's a little bit like, oh, you know, what do I need to do? All these sorts of things. But yeah, I think that that's probably the, the the best thing about it. But you've got to say, like, you know, really forward thinking of, of BrainCorp to want to be the, the platform, the OS for mm. robotics, because let's face it, you know, the success of Apple wasn't necessarily, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, the iPod, it was iTunes. It was giving a platform, mm. it was giving a, um, the, the software rather than the hardware. Mm. And mm. increasingly, you know, um, you can see the user cases for robots and why in a, in a post pandemic world, they would be viewed as mm. being uh, much more attractive than they were possibly. I think they might've been a curiosity. Whereas now if you've got 60% of people worried about the cleanliness of a store, uh, yeah. all of a sudden there's another reason to invest. Mm. Um, yeah, so 100%. I think that's obviously a, a, a great move on their part to, 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 you know, want to be the Microsoft as, 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 as Michelle describes mm. it of that marketplace. Yeah, I think so. And, and also if you look at Microsoft as well, I mean, what, what did they come popular with? It wasn't the, the computers and stuff. It was windows, right? And that, that's kind of yeah. where they, they, they kind of built their on, on the platform. And I think what, the, one of the things that resonated with me, I think it, they didn't say we're going to build the all singing, all dancing, you know, the, the be all and end all robot that's going to do everything, which is going to be programmed by a human. They said, look, we're going to build a platform and that's going to allow them to, you know, partner up with so many people that will actually be designing, producing and building just the, the kind of hardware, so to speak, and the actual robot itself. Um, and if you could just almost be like a plug and play, put this platform onto it and then you're ready to go, that would be ideal. Um, and it would solve mm -hmm. so many you know, task at the moment, um, you know, where you, they, they are labor intensive. But then it goes back to the argument to say, well, if certain jobs are going to be then replaced by people, what is that going to do to the livelihood? What's that going to do to, you know, kind of people's income, communities, you know, workers, these sorts of things. But that's a whole other argument <laughs> for, for another day. Um, but I think it's great. I think it's great because there's so many tasks that, that we can yeah. do and technology can help us. And as a final note, you know, I think it's important that Michael makes the uh, the point that, you know, at a certain point, you've got to embrace change because at a certain point it will catch you. And especially mm -hmm. this year, we've seen the, the rate of change accelerate to such an extent yep. that if you stand still, I mean, look, it's awful. But if you look at all these retailers, uh, mm -hmm. Bond Marsh, I think is the latest one. To, mm. to go into administration you're talking about businesses fundamentally that haven't embraced change that haven't invested in technology mm. you know people are saying is retail dead retail's not dead look at the amount of money that amazon are making it's just yeah. changed yeah um yeah. 
So, so there is absolutely that point that you can either embrace change or run away from it. But if you run away from it, it's going to catch you. Yeah, exactly. And I think when it does catch you, you either respond really quickly and yep. you've got infrastructure in place to to then take it on board. I mean, look at organizations, right? Um, this year that have employed the whole working from home, remote, Zoom, Teams, all these sorts of things. Um, but then also from a retail perspective, if you're not doing the kind of social media, the online, the that sort of presence, there will become a time where unfortunately then you know, what we've seen with Bon Marge, Debenhams, I think, the Arcadia Group, things will just kind of transpire and you'll have to be forced to, to shut down because, you know, the, yeah. the competition and, and people around you will, will be excelling, you know, Amazon yeah. um, and, and all the other kind of online retailers. So, yeah. Right, Akish, thanks for your time. Talking about some of those big tech companies, we've actually got a bit of a, a, bit of a tech news story after this break, because we're talking to the NetApp Chief Technology Evangelist, uh, Matt Watts, and he's talking all about Salesforce, Salesforce's rather, uh, $27.7 billion purchase of Slack and how it recognizes the acceleration um, of our lives. So this is kind of hot off the press stuff. It's the annual Dreamforce conference going on online at the moment. Uh, NetApp is a $6 billion cloud-led data-centric software provider. So it'd be really interesting to see what Matt's views are on this move in the market. So genuine tech news coming up after this break. Uh, Akish, talk to you soon. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. So welcome back to the show. As mentioned, we are now talking to Matt. Uh, Matt, you're the Chief Technology Evangelist at NetApp. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Dave. It's good to be on the show. Uh, and you're keeping your eye on the Dreamforce conference at the moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of interesting news coming out this week. Uh, we certainly woke up to uh, a very interesting one this, yesterday morning. Yeah, and that, that relates to Salesforce's acquisition of Slack for a reported what $27.7 billion, right? Yeah, what a phenomenal amount of money. Um, it is, it is I, a lot of money. Why, why do you think it's so much money? Well, you know, I think it's a really interesting question because if you know, if you look back, um, you know, over the last few years, we've seen acquisitions. You know, Yammer and I think Salesforce tried to start Chatter, but these were the kind of one billion, two billion kind of investments. And suddenly, we've seen a twenty-seven point seven billion investment into similar type of technology. So I, I, I think for me, it's probably a couple of things. It's the changing world, which has been driven because the world was changing anyway in terms of the way that companies operate and organize themselves. But because of the situation that we find ourselves in, we're all kind of remote and we're all using these these more collaborative platforms to do things. Um, but but I also think off the back of that, it's it's the shifting landscapes. Because of the situation, because of the changing way of working, suddenly Microsoft Teams is becoming very predominant and they've got threads that, that link you from Teams into all of their other enterprise applications. Mm. And Salesforce didn't have that. So for me, I think this is something that they had to do because the world was changing and that they had to do because they were going to lose ground very quickly to Microsoft with this, this uprising that we've, we've seen in use, the use of Teams. Obviously, Slack's a very well-known platform. Huge amount of users, very, very popular amongst the engineering and development community. With you know, why why Slack? Why not 
possibly one of the lesser known collaboration platforms. I don't know, something, something off the top of my head, something like Discord might have come with a slightly cheaper price tag, right? Yeah, it could well have done. Um, I think Slack has about a 12 million um, user base at the moment. So it's a, it's a fairly popular platform. And I think it has some of the integrations already. You know, so it already has some of the connectivity into Google or Google Docs and, and some of those bits and pieces, which I think some of the other platforms don't have. Um, and I also think that, you know, as long as they can as long as they can keep the, the the popularity of the platform because it has kind of grown in popularity because people like to use it, it feels kind of mm. friendly, and then start to expand that into the, 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 you know, tapping into the Salesforce capabilities, the Salesforce applications, I think it's something that's already established that has a growth base that they can really accelerate off of. What do you think this means then for SAP and Oracle and the like? Well, now there is a, a really interesting one. You know, I think um, I, I think again, if you look back, you know, Microsoft have, have kind of got the Teams application, which is their collaboration tool to to tap into the broader ecosystem. Salesforce have now bought themselves into that model as well, recognizing that collaboration platforms could well be the gateway into the rest of their products. I wonder what we will see with SAP or Oracle. I mean, you mentioned Discord. I, I certainly don't know. I don't have any insights to it. But, you know, maybe we'll see a Discord acquisition from from somebody at some point in the near future. And you, you remarked before we hit record, we were just chatting. You said, you know, this, this has kind of come out of the blue. This has happened very fast without many people being aware it was going on. Do you think that is just due to the nature of change? Organizations are having to move fast because they realize that otherwise they're going to fall behind. I think it's always been part of um, Benioff's plan. I think, you know, going back, look, he, he tried Chatter and it didn't really work. So I, I think there was always this view that they wanted some different kind of collaborative interface into their the, the Salesforce ecosystem. So I think it's always been there, but I think it's been pushed because of the acceleration of change that we're seeing in the way that companies are working and also the, the current situation that we find ourselves in. Now, you, you mentioned the, the, the situation that we find ourselves in a couple of times. Uh, you also mm. mentioned that with Slack, they're acquiring kind of 12 million users. Data is such a valuable asset, and, and that user base is obviously gold dust in itself. But, you know, NetApp it, it, it itself, it's a data-centric software provider. Uh, you've announced overnight uh, growth of about 200% year on year in, in public cloud earnings. Um, what do you think... 2021 is going to hold uh, for the market, for NetApp itself, but also for for players in this space where where data is is very much at the heart of the business. Yeah, so I, th I think there's a couple of things that we'll continue to see. I think um, recurring revenue models or recurring revenue streams will continue to accelerate. Um, that was the the big growth we saw in our business. The 200% growth was in the annual recurring revenues for our cloud part of our business. So I think that will continue to accelerate, not just for us, but for most organizations. And I think the, the second thing that we're going to see is as more and more companies move to these SaaS models, these software as a service models, there's sometimes um, a lack of acknowledgement that whilst data is the most important thing that you have as a company, these companies that are offering you these SaaS services are not necessarily taking care of your data. Mm -hmm. Salesforce used to be very clear. You know, the process was if you did not protect your data and something went wrong, you paid them $10,000, they would attempt to get your data back in four to six weeks, and then you would have to recover it yourself. So I think for NetApp, there's a huge opportunity as we see this, this massive growth in these more SaaS-type platforms, collaborative enterprise applications, whatever they are, in how do we help companies manage, protect, secure that data across on-premises and multiple clouds. 
I suppose that only goes to kind of emphasise your point that perhaps from a positioning point of view, Slack with its slightly cuddly, friendly kind of fan fandom feel is quite a positive acquisition for Salesforce. But then keeping that feeling is is going to be difficult and and important. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a really fine balancing act. Actually, is you you take something that has that kind of popularity, that sort of that groundswell that people feel comfortable with, that suddenly gets consumed by a much much larger kind of more enterprise type company, and does that push away that loyal customer base that mm. that got it popular in the first place? So they're going to have to play a very fine balancing act of how do we continue to cater for the loyal users and not kind of push them away from us, whilst we also start to expand the capabilities and bring these these new kind of enterprise users into the platform as well. Look, Matt, thanks for sharing some expert insight uh, around this acquisition. It's obviously a really interesting market uh, development. It'll be interesting to see how things play out over the next few months. It certainly will, David. Thanks. Thank you. Give you the satisfaction